This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, our dads are dead, and our uncle is banging our mom, and we're not too happy about it. As we watch Spine 82 in the Criterion Collection, Hamlet from 1948, directed by Laurence Olivier. But first, RJ, baby, it's cold outside. Hmm. I don't like this new uh, persona you have. You're throwing out lots of babies, lots of daddies, lots of, ooh, big boys. Um, it's really creeping me out. And uh, other people didn't hear all those other ones, but trust me, he was saying them before we started. He was saying them. So you take your cold baby and your chill daddy and you get out of here, you creep. Yeah. Yeah, it is cold. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you know what sucks? What? Uh, the I believe my, the washer fluid pump on my car died. Mm. So that's really annoying when uh, it's going to start def- like melting tomorrow, and I won't be able to see out my windshield, and I'm going to die. You can send your uh, your celebration letters at Jarrett's Ultimate Demise to the Criterion Creeps email at gmail.com. My God. There's some hot action in my room. Keep here. your house in order with these damn animals. I I can't I can't leave them outside though because Andrea's not home. And if I'm in here talking and I close the door, they're gonna be pawing at the door the whole time because they're worried about me. Look, that that's not me or the listener's problem. Like, well, not... neither is your windshield wiper. But here we are <laughs> making, talking about making it. idle conversation here on a Criterion Collection <laughs> podcast talking about windshield wiper pumps and errand cats. See, this is why people skip to just the Criterion reviews. People, they're real sick of our shit, Jarrett. But you know what, RJ? It's funny that you mentioned that because it's now easier than ever. You don't even have to listen to these podcasts anymore because I've uh, started the uh, laborious task of capsuling all the reviews from all of our previous episodes and putting them on YouTube as video files. Can you believe that? Um, yeah, because you told me before that you were going to do it, so it's not really a surprise to me. <laughs> this, this is true. I don't know if you wanted me to play along, but I I don't play like that. Yeah, you don't girl. lie. You don't play I games. Don't, I don't I don't like playing games, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, we'll get on that YouTube. Apparently, that's what the kids are into. Um, yeah. And if you're just really thing. sick of us. That's a thing that seems to be popular with the kids is like finding podcasts to listen to on YouTube. Doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me, but I'll play games with that. I'll, I'll go along with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. If anything, it's like you said. If people really hate our uh, intro intro banter, then they can just go to the YouTube and then just get that raw Criterion fix, and then get mad about mispronounced words and not, and yeah. not doing research. Yeah, but then they'll miss out on sweet uh setup jokes and stuff like that because yeah. i'm all about preparation and setup so mm-hmm. i i like to leave lots of hints at um dope ass jokes that i'm gonna make mm-hmm. during the criterion review yeah um you know i'm fun like that yeah so yeah. that's happened um mm-hmm. yeah but for, for you listening folks you don't really probably give a shit because you love us right uh yeah maybe i shouldn't ask hey rj how's it going uh, it's pretty good, man. I don't got a lot of hot details for you. Uh, we got dumped on by snow this week. It yep. sucks. Uh, it's not that cold. It's only like minus 10, but we're not used to it. So that sucks because it's going to get colder. Oh, that wind chill, though, is like minus 20 and shit. It's all bad. Mm. 
but it'll get colder. It mm-hmm. always does. I know. So that sucks. Uh, hey, how about that GSP? You guys out there fans of that ultimate fighting? I'm not, but I watched that GSP fight on the weekend. Oh, you, cool. oh you did watch it. <laughs> I did watch it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I used to watch ultimate fighting when it was like popular like uh i don't know eight well, nine years ago because yeah, you're also a person that ref- still refers to as ultimate fighting because like you're a grandpa uh, <laughs> you know that ultimate fighting yeah well whatever what whatever bro yeah that you so did you watch the whole ufc show i that, did that I ufc watched the whole, 217 and what did you think of that whole, whole show pretty okay so here's the thing okay i haven't watched any ultimate fighting events as the kids call it, in probably like five years okay. or so. So you didn't uh, like know I anybody. Said, yeah. Like when I, I think it was like 2006 to 2012 or so was when I was actually watching. So I haven't watched in a long time. Um, and yeah, I didn't know anyone else fighting there, but it was actually really entertaining because three belts got lost. Uh, there was lots of upsets. Well, they didn't get lost. They changed hands. Changed hands. Well, I, I consider that's like a tomato tomato thing. <laughs> one guy wins the belt. Yeah, that means one guy lost the belt, right? Uh, See, so you're you're a half uh, half full half half, half empty. empty. You're a half empty type of guy. Yeah, because everything sucks. So. Anyways, but uh, yeah, it was entertaining. There was some uh, hardcore knockouts. Um, mm-hmm. I like George St. Pierre. He is a good Canadian boy, even though uh, he's a crazy Frenchman and doesn't know how to speak English, even That's though good. he's been speaking which, which, English for like 20 his, years. That is so his charm, though. He's got the best. He's got the best voice because he, he's like yeah. he's got that thick Quebecois eh, accent that yeah. like, is so fun to impersonate because everything that when George says it, it's a great, it's hilarious. But uh, I don't know, you maybe like because you don't pay attention to this stuff. But did you feel that like uh, George was a little big, a little heavy oh, set? Yeah. Like oh, that, yeah. that dude was a little top heavy. <laughs> and it was like well, did awkward. he not up a weight class to fif- take fif- this fight? Fifteen pounds up. Yep. That's a lot of muscle. But he took a four-year layoff there, so I mean, he worked out. But 185, Man, not... I don't think 185 is really a, a, a good look for him. I think he, that... he loses a lot in that. Jared, that's nothing. When I was a freshman in Colorado, I put on 50 pounds. So in, in one year, 15 pounds in three years isn't that big of an accomplishment, you guys. But <laughs> he, no, he said as much, too. He's like, I'm not going to fight in this weight class forever. I'm going to mm-hmm. drop down. Yeah, he's well, just like I just want to show you motherfuckers that I could do it. Yep, and he did, and it was and it was and it was fantastic, man. It was it was. I a good I, I, I threw my arms up and, and cheered when yeah. he uh, put on that like absolutely like picture perfect rear naked choke on Michael Bisping. Uh, well, like, he, it, yeah, it he was killed awesome. that guy. Oh, well, I don't know if you saw the replay, but I we were sure watching, did. and like that guy, Michael Bisping, was dead he for was like out. ten seconds. Well, yeah, no, he, he was literally he dead. locked he locked it on and like it yeah. was like because Bisping was like yeah no he got it on like that was a hell of a choke and it's like yeah no it was a perfect choke um, because he was just like this is so interesting I'm sure to people but uh, he was just pounding on him and he I think he realized that the ref wasn't going to step in and stop it and he just went oh fuck so he just put on like the most basic like move you can mm-hmm. in MMA and like Bisping was out and didn't defend at all and he just was out like a light mm-hmm. and it's like that's like yep brett's uh no oxygen to the brain for a little bit yeah man that guy was fucking dead mm-hmm. uh but i think the reason for that is there was a fight earlier where uh the ref called it way too fast mm-hmm. like one guy got punched and fell over and before the other guy even had like 
more than a single other punch on top of him. The ref called it, and it was just like which fight was? was like, are you talking? You're not talking about the first fight on the main card, are you? Or the uh, no, maybe the second one. It was two dudes, and uh, <laughs> right after the dude got punched and fell over, um, the ref called it, and then the guy got up and he was like, he's like, why'd you stop it? He's like, I was gonna get up. But was that so, was that later in the show or early on? I can't remember. It don't okay. matter. Yeah, I don't but know, I just I don't imagine I that was. So Dana White probably had the ref on the earpiece, and he's like, "I don't care if Bisbin fucking dies. You you don't call this shit." They, it was the they, same guy. They give uh, they give uh, not. That's the thing. It's like the sport has evolved to a point where like yeah, refs can know if a guy just goes out, and sometimes a guy will protest after the fact, even though it's like he doesn't realize he's been like knocked the fuck out. So yeah, no, I understand that. But there's, too, I mean, there's the, early stoppages definitely do happen, but I don't recall any jumping out. Uh, watching it, I, I, I watched, yeah. You're not a fan, and you don't have the eye <sighs> for fighting that I do because yeah. I watch so frequently watching but and that, fighting myself. Yeah, but that uh, the, the the women's championship fight that that was like a fucking Shit. that was like a total shocker because yeah. absolutely no one picked Nemanunas as winning that fight at all, and it was like oh. <laughs> Cause, but there was a weird thing. Like before that fight started, I was thinking like to myself, uh, Yona Joe Jasic, Joe Jasic, whatever it is. Uh, sure. She like she's like a good fighter, but like I was like she's kind of got that confidence now of like that Ronda Rousey had, where she thinks she uh. can walk just walk through people's punches. And I'm like, yeah. I wonder if that's going to catch up to her. And oh, she got knocked out and she tapped out two punches. And it's like holy crap. Like mm-hmm. it's just like a total surprise. So it's like it's what happens sometimes, I guess, when you don't when you uh, underestimate the fact that you can get knocked out, um, mm-hmm. even though no one's done it to you up to that point. It's better to like not fight that open. So mm-hmm. there's that, and then there's like that uh, that the actually those the uh, Cody Garbrandt and T J Dillashaw fight. I mm-hmm. thought like Cody Garbrandt looked awesome, and there was no way he was going to win, or sorry, no way he was going to lose because Dillashaw looked he was too wild and kind of unruly. Mm-hmm. But then Dillashaw out of nowhere just beat the shit out of him and that was the end and it was like huh well mm-hmm. anything can happen in a fight yeah yeah that dude with the bull cut got beat the fuck up yeah but uh yeah them lady <laughs> fighters uh from i watched it with two other guys who have also been out of the game for many years yep. and uh when uh the lady who won came in uh we were just like holy shit this lady looks like she was grown in a lab because she's got like a shaved head and she's just got like like perfect proportions like for a fighter kind of it was like this this lady was growing in a test tube specifically for fighting so from three guys who didn't know anything we mm. thought that lady was gonna win and then she did yeah uh well she could see her history was that like when they first created that belt she was the challenger mm-hmm. for it and she just got beat up and then her opponent from that first fight fought uh yona uh right afterwards and she just like got killed mm-hmm. so it was kind of like no one has been able to even be in the same class as uh iona uh so this was like a total surprise but it's like probably mm-hmm. the best thing that could have happened for the division itself but and then I think, the, the yeah. other the other fight in there was a uh, old stephen thompson uh who just like oh, wonder boy wonder boy came out to yeah. uh tenacious d's wonder boy which i always like uh, but he's, his fights uh, seem to have the streak of like being really <laughs> shitty and boring mm-hmm. because he's a counter puncher, which means that nobody can actually get in and start fighting. So it sucks. Um, I, yep. I hate his fighting style. And uh, I just remember watching the, like, the worst pay-per-view main event I've ever seen with him and uh, Tyrone Woodley. And neither of them, like it was like the lowest fight punch, like lowest number of strikes in a fight ever. Mm. And I was like, man, this is garbage. <laughs> 
So yeah, well, see, that's why I stopped watching. Not enough punching. It, not enough punching. I did notice though that uh, there's not as much ground game as there used to be. Yeah, that's been abandoned. Uh, like, it, what well, happens? Yep. It all depends on the guy. But like, yeah, compared to like the uh, heyday, like the mid two thousands when everybody was watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not so much just guys on the ground pushing up against the cage and stuff like that. It's kind mm-hmm. of evolved past that. So it, you get all sorts of variety of stuff. Lots of striking, wrestling, all those good things. So hey, folks, that's it for the MMA hour. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, it's fun. Now people know. So, RJ, uh, when you weren't watching uh, human cockfighting, uh, did Ugh. you manage to watch any movies? You're saying those weird things again. Um, I watched a few things for you. I watched uh, a couple movies. Okay. Uh, but I also caught up on hit Netflix TV series, Stranger Things. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to talk about it with you because I know that you hate it, so... Yeah, so uh, there, oh yeah, so preamble very quickly. Uh, there's a unreleased episode of Criterion Creeps from like it's like episode zero where we talked about yeah. no Criterions, uh, but we were doing it as a test to see what uh, how this whole recording thing worked. And uh, yeah, I went on a lengthy rant at the time about Stranger Things. Um, and well, it's it's all I'll say is I never finished season one. I watched the first five episodes, and nothing about it made me want to finish <clears> watching it. Um, I'm a, I guess a, a lone voice in the wild when it comes to yep. like not b- being a fan of the Stranger Things. There's more now. Yeah, which like I predicted would happen because mm-hmm. that's what happens with season twos of really successful season ones. Yep. Um, but yes, uh, you you made some comments last night, mm-hmm. uh, alluding to your experience, and so I look mm-hmm. forward to hearing about that. Well, I'll talk about it because it did take up about seven hours of watching time for me this week. You watched all there- of it already. Uh, we uh, haven't watched the last episode, so the ninth we've watched. I've watched eight out of nine, and I'm pretty confident in how I feel about the show as a whole to talk about it. Okay. Uh, so um, I, I was gonna say too, we don't have a Patreon, but if people send me money, I'll email you that episode zero of Criterion Creeps. <laughs> um, anything over like a hundred bucks would probably do it, <laughs> or else I'll send you a, a personalized email, dictated but not read. Um, so yeah, so uh, I watched that Stranger Things because I watched that, and then I only actually really have one other creep. The other creep is uh, tied to our actual Criterion today. So watch that Stranger Things with Andrea. Uh, we had watched the first one when it came out. We were into the buzz, the hype. Uh, we both liked it. We weren't as crazy hot on it as um, the majority of people were, uh, but we liked it. Um, I think this season. It is a lot more noticeable the things that like you had a problem with, mm-hmm. and Pete, uh, the vocal minority of people who didn't like the show. I think a lot of that stuff is a lot more evident now. Kind of like what you were saying, it happens in season twos, especially for like a show like this where the first season was so popular. Netflix is probably like, okay, do the second season, make it just like it was for the first season. So there are a lot of things that follow the same beats which you kind of expect. Um, there's some characters where it's like, it's like they didn't really know what to do with these people, did they? Or even storylines in general. It's like they introduce some stuff and then it doesn't really go anywhere. And that's kind of lame. <clears throat> and there's like other things where you think it's going to be something else and then it ends up being nothing. And you're like, well, all right. Like they introduce, you know how the main character is 11, Jarrett? Yeah. Uh, in the opening of season two, uh, you see a girl do mind stuff and it zooms in on her arm and she's 
006 and it's just like oh shit there's all these other people but it's like a one-off episode it was a filler episode where she like runs away and hangs out with these other people with powers in detroit it, yeah that, oh, uh, that's the infamous episode yeah. seven that everyone had such a problem with the episode's not it's a filler episode it's like <laughs> do people not remember like television from the last 40 fucking years shows have that a lot i think that's kind of the the problem with this season in general is it's nine episodes. If it was like five, that probably would have been good. Because mm. out of the eight I've seen, there are two uh, two episodes that don't need to exist. There's that episode, and then there's another episode where uh, the cop guy gets stuck in a tunnel. And the whole time, the people are just looking for him. And it like builds up other stuff, but that could have been done in like two minutes on a different episode. Mm. So it's a lot of filler. But anyways... You were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, so that the, the, the Detroit episode, the one-off thing with Eleven, uh, there was a good article, I believe it was on AV Club, where they were talking about that sort of uh, trope now in television series like this, where there's like the one-off episode that's like a self-contained thing, and like every show now does one, and that's the one that they always submit for like their awards, because they're like, this is the real character study episode, the slowdown, and they do like a thing that doesn't seem related to the main story, but it ties back, and it's like... Uh, every show has one now. Um, and it, like, I wouldn't call it maybe filler, but it's sort of like this like side thing that they do to like make it feel like a bigger story. But it's just like, in this one, it sounds like it just really had nothing to do with anything else other than it's like weird fan service-y, like mm-hmm. 1980s fetishism of like, hey, Detroit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very much like that. Um, it's also where the Duffer brothers get to um dabble in the punk scene the 80s punk scene so there's lots of dudes in mohawks and uh lots of guys you know just not giving a fuck going in convenience stores opening pops and drinking before they pay for it a lot of stuff that i don't play ball it's pretty punk it's pretty punk um so eight so eight episodes in uh it's okay like a- Andrea is enjoying it for the most part, but I think it's she's kind of locked in. Like she's gonna keep watching it until it gets really bad. Um, I'm kind of like when we were watching it, every now and then I would like just leave and like go make like dinner or a snack, and then I'd come back like 20 minutes later and be like, "What happened?" And Andrea would just be like, "Nothing." She's like, "Oh, that character went to this place. That's it." And I did that like I think quite a bit like three or four half of the episodes i would leave for about 10 minutes at a time like go drop a hot one on the toilet or go make a snack right after i dropped a hot one um because you make room and uh yeah i'd I'd be like what did i miss and she'd be like nothing so i think that's a pretty big (laughs) that sounds like that sounds like shit (laughs) it's it's not bad like there there are still some cool things like there's some nice moments uh the synth is cool like the music but um Sometimes they get a little over the top with or not the music, but some things get a little over the top. Like I did notice a lot. um, They hide it really well, but uh, they have to do that thing where they like uh, you just saw what happened and then they show show you again a lot to remind you that it happened. Like, you know what I mean? Like at the beginning of an episode, the next episode? No, throughout the same episode. Like there's there was one thing where it was like... uh, there was a movie I watched in the last like 10 episodes where I talked, maybe it was The Mummy or maybe it was something yeah. else. Or The Mummy or, or Dark or Dark Tower. Now, one, one of those two. I, I think, I'm pretty sure it was The Mummy because like, I don't know if yeah. you actually talked about it on the episode, but I remember hearing other people talk about like the crazy exposition 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So th- this show actually does a better job at um, hiding it because they like kind of fancy it up a little bit where they edit it really nice. But uh, at, at the same time, it's like I just saw that 10 minutes ago mm. and you're showing it to me again. So it's a, it gets a little repetitive. But like I said, they, they fancy it up a little bit. Okay. And then um, there was one thing I was going to say about it uh, in particular, but I can't remember. Oh my god, I can't remember now, Jared. I think it's it's okay. It's mostly kind of they're treading on familiar ground. They're pleasing the masses. Uh, I think there's a lot of threads that like they start to go down, and it's just like you don't need to. It's like I said, it's nine episodes. This could be like four, and would probably be really good. Hmm. But that's not really how stuff works anymore, I guess. Nope. Um, there isn't, I don't think there is as much of that, uh, stuff that you really hate, like the nostalgic pandering. Um, I I don't know about that. I've already heard about like stuff like Dragon's Lair and kids playing that. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't think that the Dragon's Lair thing kind of fit in though, because they were at an arcade, mm -hmm. but they're, oh, actually, no, I take that back completely. Uh, there's Mad Max references. There's Dragon Lair references. There's the big Ghostbusters one. That's very obvious. Um, there are a few other ones. Yeah, you're right. You're, <laughs> I, yeah, haven't dude, even, you, I haven't even seen this show. Yeah, <laughs> no, there there is quite a bit, but it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's okay. Okay. So anyways, I was going to say something else about it, but I forgot, so I guess it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist anymore if I don't remember. Fuck it. So that was uh, Stranger Things. I think you will continue to dislike it. Cool. <laughs> yep. Uh, so you know what I watched next year? Uh, a movie with Mel Gibson? You're goddamn right I did. Yeah. I watched uh, a movie from 1992 from director Steve Miner, who yeah. did such classics mm-hmm. as Friday the 13th Part 2, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th Part 3, H2O, Warlock, your uh, your cat's namesake. Yeah. Uh, I think the House remake and Lake Placid. 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 Wow. Nice. Also, Big Bully starring Tom Arnold and Rick Moranis. That seems like an RJ pick. I've seen that movie. I watched that a lot as a kid. Uh, So I watched a movie called Forever Young. Yep. (laughs) Now, I've seen this poster a lot on Mel's page, but I never actually knew what this movie was about. Hmm. I just saw that it was Forever Young. The poster is like a nice hot looking Mel and then a couple people kissing. And you're like, oh, it's just like a romance story. So I throw this movie on for me and Andrea. Because I was like, you want to watch a 90s romance movie with Mel Gibson? She's like, yeah, sure, I guess. Whatever. So we throw this on. Do you know what this movie is about? Mm, Let me tell you. Remind me. Okay, so Mel Gibson is an army pilot in 1939. And he's got himself a high-quality dame. And uh, he is kind of like a hotshot. He does all the test piloting for the army. And uh, he's got this, this nice lady. And he's going to ask her to marry him. And uh, he's talking to his buddy George Went from Cheers. I believe he is Ham in the Toy Story movies. He's talking to his buddy George. He's a scientist for the army. And he's like, you know, I'm going to marry that girl. And he's like, you should. Good call. He's like, all right, I'm going to go do it. And then he's about to go propose. And uh, he gets a little nervous. And he's like, you know what? I'll talk to you later. And she's like, okay. And she walks out into the road and she gets hit by a car. (gasps) Boom. So she's in a Black. It's like meet Joe Black. So she's in a in a coma, uh, and then it doesn't. There's like no sign of her waking up. So George went from Cheers goes to Mel Gibson, 
and uh, he's talking about his research and he's talking about how he wants to freeze a man cryogenically as an experiment and Mel Gibson's like how long does it have to be and he's like about a year could be more he says you know what George went from cheers norm you fuck norm you freeze me and then you wake me up when she's out of her coma and George wants like because he's like I'm too sad I can't be alive right now without her I never got my chance to propose and he's like all right I'm gonna do it so he gets frozen Jared Mm mm-hmm 50 years later, in 1992, <gasps> he, is, he is unfrozen by uh, a young child actor, Elijah Wood, who wanders into a military base. Uh, and Elijah Wood and other random 90s kid who's in lots of movies uh, unfre- unthaw him. <laughs> Not unthought, they thaw him. And he wakes up and he's like, hey, kid, where's the cigarette? Because mm-hmm. he's from 1939. Uh, so it's like happened, it's kind of like Captain America. It is. It is. And, and and it's also like Futurama, I guess. It is. It's like all of these shows, Jarrett. So what happens next is or uh, he, RJ. It's like Encino Man. Exactly. It's like all the greatest movies ever made. It's like there's almost like a subgenre of like be, people being frozen, being awoken in modern times. Almost. There almost is. Uh, so I had no idea that that's what this movie was about. Uh, which was a really fun surprise, but it gets better, Jared. So Mel Gibson goes home with Elijah Wood, and Elijah Wood's like, Ugh. "You can sleep in my not like that." <laughs> Even though this this would probably have been the time that that was happening to poor Elijah. So, oh. but not with Mel because I'm sure Mel was banging the mom because Mel Gibson goes to Elijah Wood's house and he's sleeping in his treehouse, and then he sees through the window uh, Elijah Wood's mom, a young hot Jamie Lee Curtis, comes in. And uh, she's cooking dinner, and then a man comes in who's very obviously drunk, and he proceeds to start to rape her <laughs> on the kitchen table. And it's full on, man. It is full on. What? Because um, you come in, and he's got her legs open, her fucking blouse is ripped, and he's got her on the table. It's out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> it's out of nowhere. It's like, what the fuck? Because like you th- like you see him like slapping her around and it's like, okay, like I see where this is going. Mel Gibson's going to come down and save her, which he does. But like once he comes down from the treehouse and goes in the house, that dude's like about to rape her. And me and Andrew are watching. We're just like, what the fuck? Like this is the craziest fucking movie I've ever seen, Jared. It's nuts. Uh, so he comes in. Sees this guy about to rape Jamie Lee Curtis, so he uh, gives him a, a good old fashioned 1939 uh, boot kicking. A, a trouncin. A trouncin. So he beats him up, uh, and then the guy leaves. And Jamie Lee Curtis is like, "You're such a kind man. Why don't you stay for dinner? I don't know who you are, how you came in through the back door. Why don't you stay for dinner?" And then uh, Elijah Wood comes home. They all have dinner together, uh, and it goes as kind of like you would expect. Um, him and Jamie Lee Curtis start to have a thing, but not totally because Mel Gibson really misses his old uh, girlfriend. Uh, the army starts looking for Mel Gibson because at first they thought he was crazy, but now they're like, oh shit, he was an army man who was frozen. We just forgot about him. Uh, <laughs> and happened, then well, did Norm die? Oh yeah. Everyone that Mel Gibson knew is dead now. Uh-huh. So he's really bummed out, but then he finds out that uh, the girl or there's a girl who might know the girl that he was going to get engaged with. Mm. So you're never going to fucking guess what happens next year. Remember how this movie is called forever young? Yeah. You know what happens next to Mel Gibson? What? He gets progeria where he starts aging rapidly 
all the 50 years that he was frozen are catching up to him. And every time they show him, he's getting older and older. That's just like Captain America. It's like Captain America, man. This is the craziest fucking shit. This movie came out 20, it's the 25th anniversary for this thing. And it, I, I can't believe I've never heard of it before. So he's getting really old and uh, he finds out that the lady he likes is um, alive. So he goes to see her uh, and now he is as old as she is and uh, they can be together again. Oh, she came out of the coma. Hmm. So uh, this movie's fucking nuts, man. I had no idea that's what this thing was about going in. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it was amazing. I mean, Mel Gibson gets frozen. Jamie Lee Curtis almost gets raped. In a fucking family movie, we're just like, holy shit. Uh, Mel Gibson gets old makeup on. It's, it's fucking nuts. Wow. Sounds so that's like quite for, the ride, quite the trip. It was, it was a trip, that's for sure. This movie's crazy, man. <laughs> I, I recommend it to anyone who likes good movies. Okay. But it's also like really bad because there's all these <laughs> things that get... It, like it's a bad movie. Like there's all this stuff that gets brought up and then never like just never happens. And you're like, What? We're like, because me and Andrew both are just like, did we miss something? And it was like, no, it's just a bad movie. Mm. So, but anyways, a fun time nonetheless. Huh. So that's uh, what I watched. What about you? Well, RJ, uh, I watched a few movies after uh, a month of watching horror movies. Um, I'm taking a break, watching some like modern movies that were uh, critically acclaimed. I've heard good things about. Uh, so last week I'd started doing that with uh, while watching um, God Ghost Story that sort of stuff. So I'm continuing on doing that, uh, and uh, I started by watching a movie called Alps, which okay. uh, is the movie that the guy, the Greek guy who directed the movie Dogtooth and the Lobster made in between. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen any of his movies or just I've heard seen about the Lobster? Him? And okay. I was actually going to watch Dogtooth this week because I heard his new movie is creating quite a buzz. Oh, it's very uh, divisive as well, it mm. seems. The uh, Lobster was too, though, wasn't it? It seemed to be, like, his most successful for, like, crossing over. Cause it, mm-hmm. it, it, it showed up on Netflix, and so people yeah. actually saw it, and they're like, whoa, that movie blew my mind. So yeah. I was like, oh, I completely missed out on Elps, so I went back and watched it. Um, so this, is a, this movie's, like, got a pretty interesting premise, but I feel like the movie doesn't explain itself very well or establish itself well enough that like you could care about what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. So the movie is about this like group of people, like four people, they start a group called Alps and what they do is they uh, sell their services to people who have recently lost loved ones. And these people Mm -hmm. perform the roles of the deceased for a fee for like, as long as the people want to hire them for. Okay. Um, and but like they don't have to like quite look right. So they kind of like just the word like the clothes. They go over. They hang out in the apartment for like a couple hours, and they have to, like they mm-hmm. learn scripts of like what the persons are. It's like it's all very like haphazard, like how accurate these people have to be. Um, but I don't know. It's just an offbeat kind of like fairly <laughs> serious European movie, um, and it just never comes together in a way that like hooked hooks you in any, at all um yeah so like it's definitely not a recommendation um but it seems like it's like some Aww. people some people do like this movie more than i do i like, i didn't even know this movie really existed and then a friend of mine uh, watched it and they liked it yeah. a lot but for me it's just like there were some interesting moments and stuff like that like just strange uh handling of like this like low 
I don't know what you call it, uh, fester, festering violence just under the surface. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I guess, like, it's been a while since I've watched Dogtooth. I remember really liking Dogtooth, uh, but that movie is, like, quite strange and dark. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I don't know. So I was kind of, like, not awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. These next couple movies I, you know, I know you have seen. Uh, <gasps> I watched Patterson. Oh, yeah, yeah. With that. Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch, Adam Driver. Uh, yep. so this is a movie, uh, as you recall about a bus driver living yes. in the town of Patterson. His name is Patterson and he writes poetry in his book and mm-hmm. the movie just kind of follows like, uh, a week in a week in the life of a bus driver who just kind yep. of like is a very ordered man who likes, uh, I don't know, lots of plaid, uh, in his yep. pillows and his shirts and mm-hmm. his girlfriend is a kind of wacky artistic type. And like, she's kind of like, like me. And, um, she's just kind of like, I don't know, kind of slowly taking over the house while he was at work. And she kind of just like does whatever she like, she's chasing her dreams. And every day those dreams change, uh, making cupcakes and one day changing the curtains. Uh, -hmm. one day she decides it's always been my dream to be a country music singer. So I need to order this guitar and get a DVD Mm -hmm. and take lessons and I'll be really great. And he just kind of says, yeah, that sounds great, honey. So he's just like, he's a really nice guy. And he just is very agreeable. His only Mm -hmm. like vice is he likes to go to the local bar and have a pint of beer. Uh, mm-hmm. And he takes the dog, uh, what's it, Warren or something like that? I can't remember the name of the dog, Marlin. One of those types of names. Warren Betty. Yeah, Warren Beatty, the dog. Uh, yeah. And his dog is lovely, even though it's a, kind of a jerk dog. Yeah, he's a nice little, he's like a bulldog, right? Yeah, something. something like that. Like a little yeah. terrier type, or not terrier, but some sort of English pit bully kind of thing. But uh, yeah, he's a he's a very charming dog, but he's a jerk in the story. Um but yeah, this movie I thought was good. I liked it. Um, I just I didn't think it was like some people really like this story a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was quite there. Um, yeah. as far as like f- feeling like totally satisfying to me, like mm-hmm. some of it kind of like some of the character stuff was kind of just like, oh, isn't that just nice? <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of like okay, that's good. And then it doesn't really go beyond that. But I mean, uh, it's a very pleasant movie. Um, but yeah, it's more or less kind of the impression I got from it. Right. Like I was like, it's okay. It's not bad. It's just, it's all right. It's been changing me. It's a good movie, but it's not like, um, it doesn't have that extra wow factor. (laughs) That X, it doesn't have that extra. Yeah. That thing that just like that intangible thing that just separates it from being like, I'd watch that again, like right away. Um, Hey, talking about extra, uh, you reminded me when you said the dog. You know what else Stranger Things did? They killed the cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. In a totally unnecessary re- way, and it was really gruesome, and it was just like, that's dumb. This is a dumb show. <laughs> Anyways, what else did you watch? Uh, I watched another movie that you've seen that I think you also Aww. liked quite a bit called Room. Oh, and RJ has gone completely silent or something hello hi hey you you froze on me you you also froze <laughs> mm, skype ghosts okay so uh rj the movie i watched yep. was room oh yeah uh, that movie is really good yeah what that, did you think uh that movie's all it's a fantastic it's an amazing movie isn't it though yeah i'm surprised you liked it because you're kind of heartless but what? uh oh, no on. i'm just kidding i'm actually um 
Okay, wait. Tell me how you, how you thought. Because oh, I talked about it on the show before, I think. Uh, or I, I said I said that I really liked it. Yeah. So Room, uh, to recap, is a story uh, about uh, the a woman and child who get to be stuck in a Dungeon Dad scenario mm-hmm. uh, where she was kidnapped, like probably when she was like 18 years old off the street by a guy <laughs> who is keeping her in the garden shed and uh, raping her. And at some point she yep. gets pregnant and she has a baby. And this story starts on his fifth, this kid's fifth birthday. Mm-hmm. And we find out kind of throughout the story that she's been there for seven years going through this ordeal. And like, it's just done in this, like the most like kind of, pleasant way possible where it's watchable mm-hmm. for like most people yep um it's not a dreary dark kind of like and then you're gonna get raped bitch kind of way mm-hmm. it's done in this like oh god like you it, it lets the darkness and horror of it just like wash over you and like you really are yeah. like, oh, fuck like it's it's not in the heavy-handed way that like mm-hmm. some like filmmakers would probably do it and then it would just be like unpalatable to like the vast majority of the world um, yeah. but it's still like, because of the, because of the subject matter, it's like tougher and because it's presented in this kind of a uh, matter of fact way, uh, it's like way more mm-hmm. disturbing and like far more like, I don't know. I can admit I cried a couple times watching this movie cause it's like good, like pretty like, fuck. Oh my good. God. Uh, yeah. So this is like, I think one of the few Brie Larson movies I've seen, she does mm-hmm. a, uh, good job. Like she's good. She does like exactly, she earned that Oscar. She, she she does exactly what uh, actors are supposed to do, which is not bring mm-hmm. attention to themselves, and they just disappear into the role, and they're not mm-hmm. fancy, they're not schmancy or anything like that. They just make it look easy. That's like what actors do. Uh, the kid in this movie, uh, Tremblay or whatever it is, Jacob, uh, Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, he yep. is like it's like a pretty like it's kind of a it's crazy how good a performance it is, I guess. Like, I guess it's a hard yep. thing to know if like, if you aren't around kids at all, like around this age, <clears throat> like you mm-hmm. don't realize how good it is. Um, having a nephew who's like seven and like looks a lot like this kid. It's like eerie, like how well mm-hmm. this kid captures, um, tantrums and freakouts. Cause that's exactly how kids freak out and have tantrums. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the director, uh, of this being able to get those sort of performances out of that kid and the kid mm-hmm. doing it, it's like a pretty perfect little thing. Um, yep. like the first half of the movie, it's spent inside of a room and it like, it's, it doesn't feel like that confining. It's like really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when things open up, uh, it's, it, tell, it has to like kind of finish the rest of the story and it kind of hits all the like check marks of like, Hey, these are the real ramifications that a person would have to deal with now living outside of this room after being in prison for seven years and the stresses mm-hmm. and the, like the fact that like no one's perfect and no one just is like, I'm better now. <laughs> it's like, yep. no, there's like real like fear, like real problems with it. It's all very well thought out. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, yeah, I, I think this movie is like terrific. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, a bunch of people I follow on letterbox, they're like too cool for school. Um, and they're mm. like, this movie's okay, I guess. It's like, I'm like, fuck off. Like the, and then like the, the, the shit that they'll like love, like I'll talk about here shortly. Uh, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you that this movie sucks and nobody wants mm. to watch it, but like, you're going to be like, no oh, room's okay, I guess. Cause yeah, this, this movie is yeah. amazing. 
Some people would say they have a case of the Jared Duncans. Yeah, I don't but the, know. No, I'm I'm not surprised that you liked it because it's a really good movie. Uh, uh, I think I'm surprised that you liked it as much as you did because you are sometimes uh, you go against the grain a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I thought, like, I mean, I like to be uh, emotionally manipulated when it's done like, yep. really well. And this movie does it really well. And it's like, yep. yeah. So, yeah, I, this movie's like really good. Yeah, well, I'm glad you liked it. It, yeah. uh, you're right. It does like it builds up this like heavy dread and like a horror, like you said, because it's just like holy shit, what, what like what a dark fucking story. <sighs> mm-hmm. But uh, it's also because um, I remember other. I think uh, a friend of mine asked one time, is like, he was like, would my wife like this show? I was like, I think so. I was like, it's really sad and depressing, but it's somehow like optimistic and hopeful, and like at the end, you kind of. You're, you're gonna feel better maybe yeah. it takes you on a ride man oh, but man, yeah room, room room is wicked i'm glad I, you liked it i think part of the thing too is like i think i wonder if the people who were like just like lukewarm on it maybe saw it like in theater which i think mm. would be like a shitty way of watching this movie because like you're not gonna let your guard down and you're gonna feel very like yeah you're gonna like shield your like oh, i don't this movie doesn't mm-hmm. bother me at all but like i think if you watch this movie at home like in like comfort and then this movie kind of walks into your life you're gonna be like like you're gonna allow yourself to be a little mm-hmm. bit more overwhelmed by it um but yeah then yeah sean bridgers who plays old nick the uh the dungeon dad the fritzel oh, the uh the guy from rectify the, 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 the btk uh yeah. he is uh yeah he's awesome <laughs> like he look it looks exactly right and he's so scummy and angry mm-hmm. in all the right ways yeah there's like the one shot of like when um uh, the uh, Jacob Tremblay boy, he's like in the clo- like the closet, and he's just like watching mm-hmm. things kind of happen for the first time for us. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, oh, it was his birthday, huh? Oh, I should maybe get him a present. And he's saying this as he's like I'm taking off his pants, and mm-hmm. like and Brie Larson's on the bed, and you're just like, oh fuck. And like it's so much scummier that way than anything <laughs> else because you don't need to see mm-hmm. anymore. It's all there. Your imagination is like plenty enough uh rather than like extended like you know rape scenes of jamie lee curtis or whatever the fuck that they drop in you yeah <laughs> like room is a movie you would expect it yeah not in forever young yeah. <laughs> weird yeah. uh so the other movie uh, i checked out uh which is like acclaimed on my letterbox uh mm. follow, following people uh the duke of burgundy um, what is this shit? So this is a movie that is directed by Peter Strickland, who is also mm-hmm. the director of that movie, um, Barbarian Sound Studio. If you remember oh, that one, yeah, the with, so-called with Toby. Uh, first ever found footage movie or something, or no, something like that. No, no, it's uh, this it's a movie that's like done, oh, that's the last broadcast. Yeah, no, this, the Barbarian Sound Studio is like kind of like this very stylized, like it, it's kind of like mm. it feels like a seventies movie. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's that Toby Jones guy. He's like the main dude. He's oh, a, he's I fucking a, love that guy. He's he's a sound editor. So it's kind of like yeah. a, it's a pastiche of like Giallo and like Blowout and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so Peter Strickland obviously has like a real like love of like 70s cinema. Uh, sure. I thought that movie was like very mediocre, very stylish, but very empty. Uh, and I yeah. didn't, when I started watching The Duke of Burgundy, I didn't realize it was also Peter Strickland. Uh, mm-hmm. But the synopsis on Letterboxd is just a woman who studies butterflies and moths tests the limits of her relationship with her lover. That's about all I really knew about it. And I know that a lot of people, uh, the year this movie came out back in 2014, 2015, uh, they loved it. There were people were saying that's like one of the best movies of the year. 
Uh, yeah. And I was like, well, this sounds like it could be like a Cronenbergy kind of type deal. Uh, mm-hmm. All these people who like have like very specific kind of like art house kind of tastes, they all love this thing. Uh, it's I now have a list on Letterboxd I keep called uh, movies that would be improved if uh, just Franco directed them because this movie mm-hmm. uh, it seems like Pete, Peter Strickland uh, he likes his 70s movies he also really likes just Franco movies and I guess what he thought was missing from just Franco movies was like a certain level of polish and technical like prestige I guess to his to those types of stories but he's mm-hmm. wrong because that is exactly what like all those like weird things about just Franco movies is what makes his movies so watchable and what makes this movie like so dull and boring is it like Hmm. completely removes like the fact that like just Franco is like a pervert (laughs) and like lots of like zoomy weird shots into women's like vaginas. Uh, There's like even a kind of a moment like this in this movie, but it's like into darkness Mm -hmm. and she's wearing panties and it's like, this is just like Mm -hmm. lame. This is like, I don't know who is this appealing to. Uh, So like this movie is just about like, it starts off with, uh, this woman who's apparently like a housekeeper at this like mansion and she comes in and the, the, the woman of the house, she's a bitch and she treats her like really dismissively and coldly. Um, like she'll like throw a wrapper in front of her face as she's cleaning the floor and just like, you have to go put that away. You have to clean my clothes in the most demeaning way possible, blah, blah, blah. But it's like this like, ugh, like homoerotic thing where it's like, she's the slave to her and stuff like that and starts making her like, her sitting on her face. But then like you see the exact same thing happen the second day and you realize, Oh, like this is like, everyone's like complicit in this. Like there's no, like it's a script. Like they're all playing Mm -hmm. a part. And then you also realize that the so-called slave in this story is like making the master do all this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. because she wants to be dominated. And so it's that type of story, but it's done in the most like, I don't know, slick, kind of polished art house sort of way that it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, where does this get interesting? And you could come and go, RJ, like just like Stranger Things <laughs> season two, and you wouldn't be missing anything because nothing changes. Um, there's this like backdrop mm. thing where like, apparently it's a world where like there's no men, like men don't exist in this story, but they don't nice. really go out of their way to explain that. It's just like, oh, it's a whole like society of women. And apparently all these mm-hmm. women do is like either there's one housekeeper and the rest are all like experts on butterflies and moths and they, <laughs> and they, and they get, and they go to conferences about it. And then there's such stylish touches where like there's panning shots of like these women s- sitting around at a conference. And then some of those women are just mannequins because art. Oh, yeah. what? Yeah. I don't think I really follow. Because <laughs> it's just like, there's just times where it's like, oh, they just decided to, like, instead of having an actress there as a woman, they just put a mannequin in because art. <laughs> um, Yeah, no, this, this sounds I, like... I hated this. Like, I really did not like this. I got mad. But, RJ, like, I'm telling you, uh, out of, like, the people I follow, outside mm-hmm. of, like, uh, me and a couple other people, actually, listener Oliver didn't seem like he was a fan either. But mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of people are like five stars, four and a half stars, mm-hmm. all over the place. And I'm just like, no, nah, man, no, nah, I, I, I don't accept. I just don't accept this. Well, I think I think I know the problem, Jared. <clears throat> if you followed your life more like me mm-hmm. and you watched the movies I like to watch, because uh, if, if to me, when you would describe these things, I'd be like, that sounds horrible. I don't want to watch that. But if you describe something like Forever Young with Mel Gibson, that sounds awesome. And I would totally watch that. Yeah. So my point, I guess, is you got to make better life decisions. I guess so. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Duke of Burgundy sucked. 
the big one. Mm, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, not. I used to hate that type of stuff. It's like that Beyond the Black Rainbow movie too. It's very. Oh, like, I that, hate yeah, that. Yeah, movie. this movie's like totally in the same ballpark. And those same people who love Duke of Burgundy, they're they're also like super big fans of Beyond the Black Rainbow. So it just I don't know. I, I hate that stuff when it goes like that. Like I I I like experimental like kind of crazy movies, but it seems mm-hmm. like when certain people do it, like Nicholas Winding Refn, uh, it just like leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Like Neon Demon, mm. and that movie really started off strong, and then it just got worse. Because that's another movie that if just Franco directed would be way better. Uh, yeah. I watched some okay. Burt Reynolds movies, but I don't really need to talk about those too much. I mean, I don't think uh, Hooper's okay. Like Hooper was mm-hmm. not a bad one. It's about a stuntman. So you get like some wicked uh, stunts because the movie was directed by a stuntman. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get some crazy fun stuff like that. Uh, Burt Reynolds is just like, you know, his body's all broken down, that kind of thing. I watched the cannonball run for the very first time. And the last time, because <laughs> that movie is like yeah. super unfunny and shitty. Um, mm-hmm. like way worse than like Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, and, and probably it's probably because also has Dumb Deloise, who's just like not funny at all. Unless you're like maybe friends with him, and then you're like it seems like in the blooper stuff in the back of this movie, everyone's like laughing their asses off at Dumb Deloise just doing nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's maybe one of those types of things where people think he's great. But so, do you have any thoughts about Dumb Deloise, RJ? No, I was just gonna say that's that's much like me. Yeah, I guess it people is. are always laughing. Everyone's like, "You're so great, yeah. man! You're a good dude, good dude." And then people always mm-hmm. offer me stuff. Uh, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're so the, I, I, I understand. You, you really this. are the Dom DeLuise of the Criterion Creeps podcast. If if I'm Dom DeLuise, you're Raquel Welch. Okay. Okay. Or you're Jamie Lee Curtis in Forever Young on oh. that table. Oh no, I'm in a kitchen right now. Oh. Yeah, see, you podcast out of your kitchen like she was doing. <laughs> so be be uh, careful, I buddy. So take a turn. Uh I also watched a whole bunch of Louis Theroux documentaries. I saw that. Because he's directed a bunch of stuff that I haven't watched. And uh yeah. I don't know. Uh I haven't talked about maybe about him on this podcast before. So he's a British BBC presenter guy and uh I don't know. I like I like his approach to stuff. He's come a long way from being just like this dude on like Michael Morris TV show, TV Nation, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen like his like weird weekend stuff, him jaunting around the world, looking at subcultures and meeting up with people, uh, being able to like disarm people with his Britishness because people like will just like open up and talk to him because it's like, well, he has such an authoritative voice and he just seems so nice, mm-hmm. uh, which is always like interesting to see what people really think and they're, they're not like mm-hmm. trying to pretend uh he's very good at that but he, he's also like when you watch enough of his stuff you realize he's very good at asking questions and like not leading people in a particular mm-hmm. way he just opens uh, open he asks them what do they think about what they're saying rather than do you think you think that because this this and this because it makes people go yeah yeah i think so he just says why do you think that like he just lets people speak for themselves um mm-hmm. but i watched a whole bunch because he's like as like time has gone on uh as we now live in the darkest timeline so have the subject matter that he's like been getting into which is like about mm-hmm. like is like the state of like culture in America uh people's like mental illnesses and like various things that like I don't think necessarily are addressed very well anymore or ever were mm-hmm. um so there's like three episodes that he did uh called uh dark states which is him going to America and tackling such mm-hmm. subjects as uh heroin addiction in Virginia uh, in the tri-state area, uh, 
Trafficking Sex, which is just about the nice. uh, the sex worker trade down in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, just demonstrating that pimps are just like amongst like the most vile human beings ever. They're just <laughs> horrible. Um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me mad when I think back. There, I don't know if you know, there's like that Hughes Brothers documentary, American Pimp. Uh, that like fucking stuff, just like it's like. Ugh. Yeah, the, I, I know the ones pimp, you're talking pimp, about. Pimp, pimp pimp culture stuff is just like fucking like fuck. People need to read read more about this stuff and realize, yeah, there's nothing cool about being a pimp. So if this idea of pimping ain't easy, it's like fuck off. Pimp pimps are just like monsters. They're and they know what they're doing and they're just okay with it. And <laughs> yeah, fuck pimps. Um and there's also one it's on a bold take. Yeah, real bold, I know, stepping out there bashing on mm-hmm. pimps because everyone loves pimps but i feel like they get like people kind of go oh pimps aren't the real problem it's like no pimps are pretty bad um and then the other one i watched in yep. the dark states <clears throat> trilogy was a uh, one called murder in milwaukee which mm-hmm. to me just kind of demonstrates that like uh black lives matter is like people within it <laughs> are fairly misguided about what the problems are but at the same time the police are also like misguided and they're neither of them they're both sides are like pulling up away from one another and nothing's going to get better and like oh dear it's it's fucking dark it's like watching this like the state of milwaukee wisconsin and watching what's going on there you're just like uh just like what is this third world country and it's like oh no it's america and um yeah making america great again it's not really working out and it won't work out in the way that uh uh you know a Republican president or a Donald Trump president will uh, be addressing it. It's fucked. It's so depressing uh, and angering. Sounds like you're taking a political stance here. Yeah, a bold stance that, hey, murder's (laughs) bad. (laughs) Murder bad. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Vilifying uh, a community, vilifying Mm -hmm. the police is just like not really a great way of doing anything. But what if you have good intentions? Indeed. Well, that was like one of my notes while I was watching this is like, ah, yeah, it's a whole world of just like well-meaning idiots. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, yeah, they're all well-intentioned. Everyone's like, I want to make the world better, but they're not like doing a very good job of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other two I watched, uh, I mentioned, I guess, uh, one on anorexia, which is like a thing that I really wasn't that familiar with beyond like people making the joke of like, Oh, what are you anorexic? Or like, Oh, look at her. She must be anorexic. Like that's kind of like the extent to like my knowledge of it. Other than it's like, I know it's a real thing that impacts people, yeah. but it's like not like a thing you really <laughs> encounter on a regular basis, but it's like anorexia is like a pretty fucked up disease or mental illness, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. It's, it's Go pretty... on. <laughs> what? What, what, you want to hear more Tell about anorexia? Tell me more about your 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 uh, discovery of anorexia. Well, like just like the, how like how it works, I guess. Like and how okay. and how difficult it is to treat, I guess. Like okay. So I mean, because yeah. like no, because I think a lot of people like if you hear about anorexia, most people go like, I have no sympathy for those people. I wish I had that problem. Like these these are the comments okay, that pe- that's what I mean. Yeah. People make these types of comments about anorexia, and it's so, like watching yeah. this was like I mean, so this is why I love Louis Theroux documentaries because I mean, when there's like a topic that you don't know anything about, it can be like eye opening or being like this is like the point of making this sort of stuff is to like, get people mm-hmm. like uh, educated or at least more informed about these things that exist that you just like, otherwise you're just like, Oh, whatever doesn't impact me. But then you see like the realities of it and like what people go through. And it's like just the idea of like watching people like struggle with eating 
which is like, what a fucked up thing. Because it's like, <laughs> if there's like anything that's like comes pretty naturally in my mind to humans, and it's probably eating. Like you can't not eat. But here's people that are like, I don't want to eat. And <laughs> it's like, oh, that's weird. And like, how do you even begin to treat that? And like getting mm-hmm. your mind around it. And like all strategies kind of fail because like, what does it take seven years to like cure somebody potentially? Not even cure of it, but like figure out how to manage it. Right. Yeah. So that was like an interesting one. Uh, then I also watched one on uh, alcoholism, RJ, uh, drinking to oblivion. Uh, Uh, this so this one's about like extreme alcoholism like it's what kind uh as rj drinks beer (laughs) Um. (laughs) Uh, wait hold on can you tell me more about these things okay so uh he he, it's him this these ones are in uh back in britain uh he, he makes some comments about how like drinking is just like sort of like a thing that people do in england and it's like pretty normal and i'm like yep that's always mm-hmm. been my experience if everyone just drinks any time of the day it seems when i hear from people who travel to england they're like, well, let's have a pint mm-hmm. and they say cheers uh like that's just like how you say bye or hello and it's like oh that's odd to me um because like as i've said on the show before i'm not a drinker so because yeah, you're a nerd i'm a nerd um but like watching this and like watching louie like i think this is like one of the hardest times he's had like talking to some subjects because there's like one guy who is like completely coming off of like a, like an intense bender like like kind of yeah like self-loathing absolute like i want to die kind of bender and like you can't talk to these guys like you can't talk to somebody in that state it's like so frustrating and watching like your documentarian get sucked into that world where you're like you're supposed to be kind of like off kind of like stepped away from mm-hmm. it and just be like kind of asking questions and not being there but it's like no with like alcohol like you get sucked into these situations in a way that like you don't realize um they touch upon different like there's a woman that's like in her 40s now and it's like nope she's like on that verge of like her body like shutting down and she's going to like not be around very much longer if she doesn't stop drinking but she doesn't see any way that she could stop drinking so she's just going to mm-hmm. keep doing what she does and hope for a miracle that it just fixes itself uh there's a man who's like liver has been compromised and so his belly is just filling with fluid and he has to get it drained out like once a week and it's like he has like it's like a 76 percent chance that he'll be dead in three months and he finds this out and he's kind of like well i don't know if i believe that and you're like yeah um it's and then like they they have like the, the 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 fucking tray of the fluid they just like siphoned out of his stomach and they they take a smell of it and they're like, oh, it doesn't smell like anything, but it's like foamy. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, uh, it's just like, oh, God, like, this is the thing that, like, people have, this just happens to people. Um, but that's not going to happen to, like, like a guy who just likes having a good time, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an important aspect is not just make sure you're having just a good time and then you're good. Yeah. Like, you know, the Trooper song, you know, that how you're here for a good time. Mm-hmm. Like those guys are okay, right? Like yeah. they they don't have any problems, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, so then <laughs> I'll leave that one there to Simmer RJ. Uh, the other <laughs> one I watched was called A Different Brain, which is about mm-hmm. people dealing with brain injury, and like okay. so that's like amongst probably one of my worst fears, I guess, of like oh if you just like happen like it's not nothing that you do to yourself, you just like are in a car accident or you get hit by a car or you fall and you mm-hmm. hit your head in a way and now they have to take out some of your brain and then you're just different 
You're just a different person. Yeah. And you're sometimes you don't even fall. You can have a stroke while you're sleeping. Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, then I don't think any of the ones that they, any of the people they talked to, had strokes in this one. But they make mm-hmm. they mentioned that. And it's like, yep, that's another X factor. Yep. You just have a stroke, mm-hmm. and then you're fucked. And uh, your loved ones have to deal with this like new person in their life and whatever mm-hmm. level of problems you have. Grim stuff. Grim indeed. Yeah. But was it was it like was it cool? Yeah, it's real cool, RJ. Okay. Yeah. But like, I'm not gonna get that alcoholism. Thing, right? <laughs> um. Well, only you can decide that, RJ. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if I just say I'm not gonna get it, I'll be cool. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. Cool. That's my creeps. Uh. Hey, RJ. Nice. What What news do you want to talk about today? Oh shit. Uh. Well, what were you gonna talk about? Well, I think uh, there's two news well, things. I was so just, you go first. I was just gonna laugh about the like a seeming collapse of the dark universe on itself, uh, like a like a black hole. Um. Some people might not be familiar with that term because it never really caught on. You might have to elaborate on what the dark universe is. Well, I think we've talked about it on this show before. This uh, is true. The dark universe was Universal's attempt at creating their own franchise, a la the Marvel Universe that Disney has. And yeah. they went, hey, we got all these universal monsters. So, hey, we should create, like, the Avengers out of that. What a great idea. So uh, they hired a bunch of, like, generic, shitty, summer blockbuster movie type of people to, like, do mm-hmm. one of these movies in the most formulaic, uh, forced ways possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get, like, big-name actors because they've got big studio money. They can just hire people to do whatever the fuck. And actors, they don't care. They'll, they'll get the biggest hacks possible. Let's get Tom Cruise. Yep. Let's go get Russell Crowe, Johnny <laughs> Tom Depp. Tom Cruise is good. Yeah, he's a hack. Oh, come on. Like, he just wants money. He, he wants success and money. That's like, what he wants. Sure. He doesn't give a shit about art. So, okay. uh, or he hasn't for a long time. So they, they, yeah. they, they went and made that mummy movie and, uh, that movie, the mummy mm-hmm. movie is no good. Uh, people like laughed and rejected at it. It, it didn't, wasn't a good start, but apparently, uh, they were going to do this bride of Frankenstein movie for the second part of this installment <laughs> of building up the dark universe. Yeah. And, uh, it sounds like every time they like, Oh, Hey, some, the director said he's going to make it more like this the next week. Oh, that director has been kicked off the project. And, uh, now apparently they're, rethinking the whole thing and shelving the whole goddamn project for the moment, uh, mm-hmm. which is like, I don't know. It's just kind of like funny to watch from the sideline. Like it's watching this though, too. There's like the side where it's like, you have the Marvel movie losers who are like fans of Marvel, Marvel stuff. Yeah. They like that. They hate DC. They hate the idea of anything being like Marvel and they just like laugh and shit yeah. on stuff. Not for like the reasons that like they don't realize that their movies are like bad, but they make money. Yeah, it's the, is it the Rick and Morty syndrome? Uh, I bet you there's a big, uh, there's a Venn diagram somewhere that demonstrates yeah. the similarities here. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, that was funny to me. It's just like seeing this all backfire and go horribly wrong. Um, yeah. I mean, but you know what? It could have worked out great. And then, I mean, we'll see how that, uh, that justice league movie comes out like in a week and, um, mm-hmm. we'll see how, how successful that movie actually is. I, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a lot riding on it. Well, like, I mean, obviously, like, like, any, but, of this, uh, like any of this shit, there's like lots of studio money. I mean, to my day to day life, like there's nothing writing on it. Like I could give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but well, you, for, you, you have well, to see I, it, yeah. obviously. Oh, I'm going to be seeing that motherfucker opening weekend so I can talk about it on the show. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Maybe I'll watch BVS again. Number five movie of the year last year. 
creeps approved. Um, what was I going to say? No, yeah, I've heard a lot of stuff. Like, uh, depending on how it does, they might just reset everything, kind of like Universal is doing. Just scrap everything that they've been doing, start fresh. I did hear one thing that uh, even before they said going into the next ones, they're they're going to focus more on just standalone stuff, which is like, I don't know why you never, why you wouldn't do that in yeah. to begin with. Yeah. Like when we were talking about the Mummy, or like any any of these movies that are universe builders, it's like the mi- biggest problem is they're cater too much to set up this other shit that they don't even bother making one good movie. It all started with that fucking Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah, and, yeah, animals and, and, and Incredible Hulk. Don't forget about the Incredible Hulk. That movie is awesome, though. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. That movie's dope. I love okay. them. Yeah. Okay. Fuck you, Jarrett. That movie's wicked. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, it's too bad, but whatever. Yeah. They, whatever. They made a bad movie, so they deserve to bad consequences. I I was just gonna. I don't have real news. Not real news for movies. I was gonna say, hey, fake what's up news? with the? Yeah, not fake news. Uh, I heard Brian Michael Bendis is going to DC. Oh, you, you want to talk about comic news? Uh, you talk. We've talked uh, about comics. That's nerdy. That's You're nice. nerdy. Huh. Well, yeah. Um, you don't have to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Never mind. Forget I brought it up, okay? Okay. So for people who read comics, uh, the, yeah. the big like startling news that took everyone by surprise yesterday uh, mm-hmm. was that Marvel – like exclusive writer since like 2000 uh brian michael bendis is going to dc comics and he'll be writing like their like superhero comics um this is like a big coup for dc getting like marvel's guy but like who knows what that really means because you know bendis was writing for uh, marvel for like 17 years like non-stop writing like at least Mm -hmm. like probably like two to five comics a month for that whole period of time, drawing big paychecks and probably all his like ideas or interests there have passed. And now he can move on to other places and he's probably getting a massive fucking check over at DC. Um, they're probably going to hand him Batman and it's probably the best idea they could do is do that. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, he did a pretty good job with daredevil back in the day. It's been a long time since I've looked at, uh, uh, Bendis comic to see how his writing's been. That's actually not true. I was skimming through his stuff. He's a super competent writer in the most like yeah. inoffensive way possible. Uh, mm-hmm. His stuff's fine. Uh, it used to be like, I used to really like his stuff like back in the early 2000s when he just started mm-hmm. off in Marvel. Um, but I mean, when you, if, if they're going to put him on Justice League, that's not good because it's not he doesn't write team stuff very well um Mm -hmm. if if you know bendis as a writer you know that he writes in a particular way uh that like everyone sounds kind of like the same person they're all snippy kind of like a josh whedon movie Mm -hmm. uh yeah so i don't know it's it's interesting because it's like oh that finally happened because there was rumors of that happening like eight years ago ten years ago and it never happened and now just out of nowhere because now no one really cares anymore about that it happened and now everyone's like oh what happened? Was there a big mm-hmm. falling out? But it seems like it was just like, oh, I time to move on. Time to move on. To well, move see, on. there you had it. Yeah. And you had to talk about it, you jerk. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. All right. Well, I guess that's the show. Yeah. Yep. That's that. Uh, oh, right. We have to talk about a movie tonight. 
Nah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, maybe after the break, uh, we're going to be talking about Hamlet. Maybe. Um, maybe. play now brought to the screen with filmic mastery the camera capturing the superb artistry of the finest actors of our time as they portray a story of a man's torment his indecision his love his rage and his revenge as foul crimes are burnt and purged away This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Hamlet from 1948, directed by Laurence Olivier. As some astute listeners might recall, uh, this is round two (laughs) with one Laurence Olivier and his uh, adaptations of uh, the Bard's plays. Um, Mm -hmm. And the first time out, uh, Henry V, uh, was not a good time had by either of us. Uh, Mm -hmm. We both found that movie to be 
pretty boring and pretty uninteresting. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are again, <laughs> Larry, mm-hmm. Bill, a synopsis here from uh, Letterboxd, uh, which I'll just read because it's it's worthless. Winner of four Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Actor, Sir Laurence Olivier's Hamlet continues to be the most compelling version of Shakespeare's beloved tragedy. Olivier is at his most inspired, both as director and the melancholy Dane himself, as he breathes new life into the words of one of the world's greatest dramatists. That's the synopsis. For Hamlet? Yep. That doesn't even... Nope. What? (laughs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. So, RJ... Let's, yes. We're, we're, we're going to freestyle, okay? We're, oh, we're, God. We're, we're going we're gonna to lay it out. I've read this play, like, mm. in high school, and then I read it in university, too. So, and I just watched two movies about it. So, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best. So, uh, King Hamlet's dead, mm-hmm. and Prince Hamlet's sad, because his uncle, uh, Claudius, is married the mom, and now he's the king. And, uh, well, poor Prince Hamlet, he's sad. Um, and then, uh, there's a bunch of people in the courts. There's some friends show up like Horatio and they're saying, yo, Hamlet, there's a ghost. It looks just like your dad. You should go check that out. And he's like, Mm -hmm. that sounds very interesting. And Mm -hmm. so he does. And yep. Sure enough. It's the ghost of his dad telling him like, Hey, you know, my brother, he killed me. You got you got to do something about this, and Hamlet's like, "Yeah, I got to do something about it." But what do I need to do? So he posits this. <laughs> he thinks about it, and uh, that's kind of the problem. And so a bunch of uh, performers, a bunch of uh, theater troops show up, and mm-hmm. Hamlet's like, "Hey, I got a great idea. Great idea. We're going to like stage a play, and we're going to reenact the way that that ghost told me my dad was killed. We're going to do it in front of the king, my uncle, and it's going to really stick it to him. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. So he does, but this, of course, like over, it kind of overextends his play, I guess. Um. Anyway, uh, I don't know. Go on. It's, it's Hamlet. Fuck. It's it's got to be one of the most widely read like stories in the English language, theoretically. Or um, adapted. Adap- I mean, we got adapted. Lion King. We got Sons of Anarchy. We got every, every oh, fucking yeah. show. Fucking Sons of Anarchy. I was saving that for later. Uh, oh. No, oh, it doesn't matter. It, fuck it, that show. Well, edit that shit out, No, man. it's fine. It's fine. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Spoiler, guys. There's like, there's like different story speeds from Hamlet and other things. Um, uh-huh. So there's like, dude, there's like Ophelia, his main squeeze that he mm-hmm. treats mean to keep her keen, but he meets treats her a little too mean. She goes crazy, and then she goes and drowns. Uh, her dad Polonius he gets fucking stabbed through a cur- through a curtain because Hamlet thinks <clears throat> it's his uncle, and he just drags the yep. body off. Um, there, man, this story I tell you, uh, there's like a pirate ship invasion there's like pirates raid a ship when did that happen it exactly it's like one of like the things i've always thought was hilarious about hamlet (laughs) okay hey you you know what's hilarious about hamlet didn't shakespeare have a son called hamnet yep that's pretty funny that's great yeah good times yep uh and and hamlet's also what we call like very small villages and i have a friend called ham meat oh so there you go (laughs) is that his birth name uh, it wasn't, but we uh, we changed it legally. Yeah. 
Uh, So one thing leads to another. There's court intrigues. Uh, Hamlet's going to be sent off to England to hang out there, but it's all a ploy. There's a letter saying, yo, when you get the executioner's going to kill this guy when he gets there, but he's smarter than that. And, um, he doesn't. That doesn't happen because pirates show up. At least in this version of the story, they kind of skip over the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern stuff for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. And then Hamlet's back. He finds about what's gone on while he's been on this boat, and uh, it all sets up the final confrontation, which is a sword fight with poisoned blades and poisoned wines. Everyone's mm-hmm. everyone dies. Orders restored because it's a tragedy in the classical Shakespearean tragic historical sense. Um, so. As far as this particular version of Hamlet, directed by Laurence Olivier, uh, within like the first couple minutes, I just wrote, fuck, already so much better than Henry V. So <laughs> yep. much, so much better. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like probably the most noteworthy thing that I'll take away from this movie uh, is just like the awesome, like, uh, kind of like cinematography when it comes to like mm-hmm. the, ca- the castle in, of Elsinore. Because uh, yep. it, it's just like, it's a uh, very like, German expressionistic. Uh, it's like really odd. And like, I mean, for 1948, I mean, maybe it's like not super groundbreaking because German expressionism was doing this thing like 20 years earlier. But yeah. it's nice to see that Laurence Olivier's like uh, skills as a filmmaker since Henry V, which was four years prior. Right, it was nineteen forty-four, I believe. Uh, he's like sure. his skills have just like increased a great deal. Like he's like he's made a movie now, and now he's like, hmm, I could do better. So mm-hmm. there's this like like when they do like the soliloquies, they like do like internal narration, like where it's like a voiceover narration, which is like what an mm-hmm. obvious thing to do. Why do we have to have this stagey bullshit like we were doing before? Um, we're, mm-hmm. we're making movies here, not plays. Which is like the worst aspect of Henry V is like it just felt like you were watching a stage play. This mm-hmm. actually felt like we were watching a movie. Um, so yeah, and there's like you know actual audio design where there's like haunting music and stuff like that. Like it really mm-hmm. felt like oh we're watching like uh, a movie again. Like this is like high praise, I guess. That hey, <laughs> we're watching a movie, a movie. <laughs> yeah, not just like a film play. Which is like when, if you remember me, my problem with uh, Bergman's Magic Flute mm-hmm. is just like it didn't feel like a movie. Like it just like yep. it. What's the point of this? Uh, it's not my type of thing. A yep. um, couple of things I'll throw out. Uh, Lawrence Olivier was forty years old here, uh, pl- pl- playing a student. Uh, the his mother. Uh, the actress playing her was 28. (laughs) Um, and one of the things of note with this movie that like, I don't know, I picked up on pretty quick is there's a lot more, uh, Oedipal complex sort of stuff going on with three X's. Because those are some oh. those are some pretty loving, intimate kisses that Mrs. Hamlet's given her son. Like, real, yeah, re- real weird. Yeah, that was a trend this week in the movies we watched. Mm-hmm. The two Hamlet movies. Wow, that's there a, was a lot of open mouth kissing. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, uh, uh. Jared's doing a weird thing right now uh. that uh, I wish I, uh, I wish I could show people because he's like. Uh-huh. He's doing gross stuff to his microphone, and I don't like it. And it's uncomfortable, and he's a bad person. So, uh, RJ, <clears throat> uh, yeah. this all being said, I think this movie is still just okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. At like, two, was it two and a half hours? 
It's mm-hmm. quite long. Um, it's very like it's still a movie from like 1948 in like the most boring ways possible. Where like Lawrence Olivier yeah, still yeah. is not like a he's not a director in my mind. Um, like yeah. there's like a lot of scenes where it is just like oh he filmed these people talking in a room, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, <laughs> fine. Like there's it doesn't I like it. it doesn't like go into the scenes and like help you build up and like feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll talk about it when we talk about the other Hamlet. Um, <laughs> But anyway, there's people who will complain, who like purists that complain about sort of the things that uh, uh, Larry excised. Since like apparently the play is like closer to about like probably about four, four and a half hours long. There's like two hours of stuff that are just not here. Um, particularly oh. like there's Fortinbras and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are just gone. But it kind of shows that like, well, maybe you didn't really need them at all. Mm, um, probably not. But yeah. Um, I'll leave it at that. Hey, RJ, what did you think of 1948 Hamlet? It sure is a version of Hamlet made in 1948. Yep. That's my review. That's a fact. It's a fact. Uh, well, as we alluded to and as we'll discuss more, Hamlet is a story that everyone is familiar with, whether or not you know you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. because it is used so much in other mediums and other ways to tell stories in movies and TV. It's very popular. So I'm familiar with this Hamlet deal. Uh, I think the one thing that you said and cannot be stressed enough is that the major difference between this and Henry V, uh, big old Henry V, um, it is such a stark con- like difference. It's so much better because... Uh, I think, the like they were trying to do something with Henry V, where it was like uh, there was that novelty of it being a play and a movie, and they were trying to mix those things, and it just never really worked very well. That's why that movie is so bad. It's just like they they try to bounce things around, and it's really boring, and it doesn't work. I, yeah, I the, the other thing I'm thinking I'm just remembering too is that like so this movie shot like black and white, and like it takes yeah. full advantage of that. And then, yep. like, I, I always forget that Henry V was actually a color movie, but, like, the yes. copy of it that's available is, like, so ugly. <clears throat> like, it's, mm-hmm. like, I wonder if, like, that would make such a big difference just on a visual level, but I mm-hmm. still think the staging and stuff like that would be really flat and drab. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So this is, like, as you put it, uh, this is a real movie, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every, we're all familiar with the story, so... This thing is like two and a half hours long. I threw this fucker up. Um, I drifted in and out at certain times. Yep. There were some times where I was kind of, you know, doing my thing. I think I went Mm. and I got some laundry. (laughs) Don't act like I say weird stuff. I just say normal stuff, but I I have a special spice to the way I talk. You just say weird, creepy shit like, ooh, daddy needs a nice pair of young boys to get cold with. And just like, ugh, what are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> you say all stuff like you say all sorts of stuff like that. Okay. Anyway, like how did you start the show? Oh what? yeah. Okay. Well, if people are only listening to this, you missed all this creepy shit Jarrett was saying before. But it happened. <laughs> Go listen to the podcast on SoundCloud. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Hamlet. Hamlet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, this seems like a real movie. Uh, it looks really nice because of the black and white, like you said. Uh, he actually learned how to direct things. I yep. think. There's really nice, like, tracking shots. Well, and there's also, yeah, uh, this, we have the return of deep focus photography, uh, which uh, I talked, well, if you remember, RJ has discussed uh, in high and low, 
where like you like the front and the back is like all actually carefully considered like you actually get a sense of the space and the detail so like everything's in focus at all times which is actually quite a difficult feat uh except in old movies like this or like third man that type of thing orson Mm -hmm. welles style yeah curse i like getting deep into focus so i got that deep focus thing right yeah. And uh, I brought that up. I know what that is. I know a lot about movies and cinema. Mm-hmm. So uh, he does a lot of good stuff like that. Uh, he's got some nice shots. There's all these long corridors. There's like stuff that's floating. There's these tracking shots where he's following people through the long corridors. That's cool. Uh, yeah. The Nazgul Witch King uh, has a cameo in this as Hamlet's dad for a minute. Yep. That's pretty cool. Um, this movie has a lot of dank leotards. Uh, which I also really liked because uh, it's like dudes wearing normal ass shirts and then the tightest leotards. It's awesome. Uh, there's like students like that everywhere on campus, by the way. It's just like that's, that's what they're wearing is tights and t-shirts. I and mean, it's like, oh, it's the, it's olden times. They're bringing that back that Hamlet look. Yeah. Bolt so cuts. Cool. Uh, I Yeah, exactly. Um I didn't mark down a time stamp here, uh, but there is a scene where a dude just falls down some stairs, and I thought that was the funniest shit. Like, he he really just fell, and they're like, that's fine. Print it. Cut it. Print. We'll just let that guy fall down those stairs in this movie what where there's only, like, one movie in the theater for, like, eight months. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yep. No, on the whole, this movie is very okay. Uh, I don't feel bad having watched it, which is a nice treat. <laughs> There's a lot of movies that we watch in, on the, for this show where it's just like, I wish I never agreed to do this podcast mm-hmm. because I had to watch that movie. Uh, but no, it's fine. I'll never watch it again. Mm-hmm. You'd be crazy to watch this more than once. Yeah. But uh, I don't feel at, that I wasted my time, at least. I folded laundry while I watched it, and that oh, seemed like a good use, nice. like doubling down, you know? Yep. So it's it's okay. It's very it's a movie. It's a laundry folder. It's a laundry. See, that is a good point, Jarrett. We should start using that more often. Bust it's a laundry it folder. Some yeah. It's like when I talk about magazine movies, where it's like uh, you could put it on in the background and read a magazine, and you would get a lot of enjoyment out of it. More so than if you were actively watching. Yeah. Um. Scene for notes here. Ah, uh, one thing I, I didn't realize. I guess it was like the first sound film of the play made in England. Hmm. If that makes sense. I don't think that's true, and uh, I think you're a liar. Well, blame Wikipedia. Okay. Uh what do you think, RJ, of Shakespeare purists? Uh I think that's dumb. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure Shakespeare didn't write any of his plays. If you believe Roland Emmerich. Oh shit. Because uh, that guy knows what's up. Um, I don't know. Shakespeare purists? Like, what are those guys? Do they just like, oh, Shakespeare. Uh, they, and they, like, they, you have they, to recite it they note ref- for note. They refer to him as the bard. And oh, uh, Come off. Yeah. <laughs> come off it. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the Stephen King purists who refer to him as the bard. I was going to make a note. I think when I started, like, so William Shakespeare, for those not aware, he is, as some describe the Stephen King to uh, Elizabethan plays. Exactly. Yeah. That is, that's the best way to describe yeah. it. Some people might not know who he is. Yeah. He's falling out of favor because uh, all, all those kids know is that Romeo and Juliet, hey, but know, it's spiced up now. I did look up, like, Shakespeare adaptations in film, and there's, like, way less than you think. 
Mm, yeah, I guess. It seems like there's a lot. Yeah, but like, if you think about how many like Stephen King adaptations there are and you put them like yeah. head to head, it's like, oh, it's like a lot narrower than you think. So what is this? Is this just like high school drama teachers who are fucking drilling this into people's heads forever? Well, people is- read stuff. I guess the movies are there to uh, people just make them sometimes. Uh, yeah, but didn't Boyfriend have like 70 plays or something like that? I feel like you would have a lot of movies. I know. You'd think there'd be more, but I guess maybe the audience isn't always there unless they make The Lion mm. King or, or the Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Okay. Hey, well, there. Hey, RJ, did you ever watch Sons of Anarchy? Uh, I watched the first season and I liked it quite a bit. When I lived in Colorado, I watched the first season. And yep. then I remember when I moved home, I stopped and me and Andrea were at a, uh, I think my brother's house, and they were watching a new episode of Sons of Anarchy. And a dude was getting raped in jail cells. And then <laughs> yeah, Andrea was. Yeah, and then uh, we looked at each other and we're like, we're probably good. Because <laughs> they were like, you should watch this show. It's super wicked. And I was like, yeah, I know. I, I did watch it. I did think it was super wicked. But then, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I will probably finish it one day. I heard Stephen King makes an appearance in that show. That's he, cool. He does. Uh, and it's within like the range of when it, the show is still watchable and worth watching. Uh, does it get bad? Yeah. There's a point where I drop off and it's like after the death of like a major character who – didn't you don't realize how like important they are just like in terms mm-hmm. of like being the show that's like oh that's the reason I was watching the show and when they die it's like Opie yeah spoilers I didn't know that he actually died I just yeah that dude was so and, cool and, and he dies like in the most haphazard like pointless way and you're just like that's it like oh mm-hmm. and I just like at that point I was just like I don't give a fuck about anybody and he was like the only dude I liked because he gets like he's involved in like the best scene in the entire show which I think is the yeah. end of season two it's like oh it's so fucking good like it's like one of my favorite moments ever on a television show and uh because mm. it's like co-created I mean it was like created by the co-creator of the shield uh, what's his name the crazy dude who gets like mutilated throughout the series uh, Uncle Fester no I can't remember his name off the top of my head but anyway he's yeah that guy's yeah. a nut uh, and like doesn't realize what anything is good because he has no like self restraint. That's his problem. Mm-hmm. Um, other back to Hamlet. Uh, hey RJ, yeah. th- this movie seems to have a lot of quotes in it. Lots of things that people still say. And you real and when you watch it again, you watch like a, the performance of this. You go, oh yeah, that's from Hamlet. And like hey. how, how often that happens, and you go, oh right. That's from Hamlet. This is like, and like, then you think about all the things that Shakespeare came up with and you're like, mm-hmm. that are still in the language and you go, oh, because those things still like hold up pretty well. And he just like came up with it or at least codified things that maybe people said in a permanent way that we remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, people were clever back in the 1600s. Hey, Jared. Yeah. That happened to me watching this movie. Not two weeks ago when we were talking about the passing of Mr. John Dunsworth, yeah. uh, Mr. Leahy from Trailer Park Boys, <laughs> I sent out a tweet. It was good night, sweet prince, yep. with a gif of him drinking alcohol, and I did not know that that was from Hamlet. Yeah, and then I watched Hamlet, and I heard that, and I said, "Hot damn!" Yeah, I'm my, quoting Hamlet. My, my favorite is always, "That's the rub." <laughs> that's the rub. Is <laughs> that a quote? There's the. I've rub. I've never heard someone say that before. Seriously? Oh, oh there's come. the rub. Th- right there's, there. there's the there's the rub. No, it's like, oh, come on. That's that's one of those weird Duncanisms. There, there's it's like there's, oh. there, there's more things than how, than hell in your philosophy, or whatever the fuck it is. Rub, 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 rub. No, I think this is one of those weird things you've been saying lately, where you're like, oh, daddy thinks that's the rub right there. <laughs> Show mama what's these, what. Jesus, these voices. Well, that's uh, kind of hey, around. so. 
Uh, yeah. You know, until 1998, uh, mm-hmm. this is the only film where an actor had directed himself to a Best Actor Award. Do you, re- do you know who did the same thing in 1998? Mr. Mel Gibson. Roberto Benigni. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Mel Gibson should have got it. When did Braveheart come out? 98? Five. He's never won a best actor, but yeah. he should have. Well, he didn't because Robert Benigni did it. He... Who the fuck is Robert Benigni? Exactly. Exactly. Seriously, though, who is that? Pinocchio. And Pinocchio? Life, and life is Beautiful. What, See, the fucking animated you, you, you Pinocchio? Fucking, no, you fucking millennials. God. I'm not a millennial. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm a night. I was born in 1990. Yeah, exactly. I was 10 years old when the millennium hit. Yeah, exactly. So wait, what movie did he win a fucking best actor for? For Pinocchio? No, for Life is Beautiful. <laughs> oh. It's a movie that, okay, this is one of those movies that like everybody like like lost their shit over back in 1998, but now no one knows about them. Like no one talks about him. No one gives a fuck about him. He sucks because he made Pinocchio, a live action movie where he plays a boy and he's just a fucking old Italian man. It's like <laughs> he's the, he's sucked. And so the first time I thought about him in a long time was when I was reading about this movie. And I was like, Roberto Benigni. I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, what I, uh, you know what I also found out this week is like yeah. there's this show called Little Sheldon. and Oh, you didn't know about that? Oh, I had no idea. And like I was like, because uh, I was watching it on UFC night, uh, friends were like, "Oh, little Sheldon." I'm like, "What the hell are you guys yeah. talking about?" And then like, and they're like, "I didn't. I, I was afraid to like ask and be like, oh, 'Oh, I'm like not cool. I'm not hip. I don't know what this is.'" And uh-huh. then uh, I was like, "What's little Sheldon?" And then like this graphic popped up, and it's like fucking Sheldon from Big Bang Theory morphing mm-hmm. into this little kid. And I just was like, "Oh fuck!" And uh-huh. I couldn't believe it. And then I looked up later, saying that like it did like one of the highest ratings ever for a a sitcom show it's like life's not fair um anyway well it might not be fair jared but it's the life you deserve it is so <laughs> anyway uh hey how did you like that peter cushing yeah it was nice to see him pop up near the end there yeah fopping about fopping about it would have been cool if christopher lee was in this thing too yeah as like the sword or something. Yeah, as the sword. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's always like the, that pirate side business that shows up in this movie. I've always laughed at because it's just like, oh, and then the pirates show up. And it's like in the actual play, it's always handled like as offhand. But this movie kind of uses flashbacks and like yeah. other cinematic sort of techniques to like show things because it's movies. Um, but like I always remember like back in the day reading that in the play and being like, that's like the most random ass thing ever. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, there's also the Ophelia floating down the uh, <laughs> pond thing that's like nicely done. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's better done here than it is in the other Hamlet movie we'll be talking about here shortly. Um, everyone dies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really sweet like top rope dive that Lawrence Olivier <laughs> does. I think that mm-hmm. the like the whole sword fight in this final bit is actually really good like you can yeah, tell that like they like these are trained actors and they like fucking mm-hmm. practice this shit and it looks awesome uh and it's mm-hmm. actually quite quite violent when it comes to claudius getting his with those swords going right into his chest like a couple times and you're like whoa yeah he really gives it to him yeah he like fucking sinks it in um mm-hmm. anything else i want to throw out there yeah so i checked my probably the time probably around the hour mark and then again around the second hour mark kind of being like oh man this this is kind of weirdly paced half an hour 
Yeah, that was like the thing where I was like, oh man, this is still got to go, huh? Because at that point, it was like, I think in the graveyard scene, mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole skull thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's where I checked too. Yeah. And then you're like, 34 minutes left. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, holy crap. Let's just wrap this bad boy up. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, it's a much better movie than Henry V. Um, I, yes, think it's yes. just like, I think it's because it's more focused story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, RJ, I know you want to no. talk about uh, Hamlet from 1990, directed by Franco Zeffirelli, uh, and starring one Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. I thought Kenneth Branagh directed this version of Hamlet, oh, but no. he directed a different version he of Hamlet. He directed his own version of it, which I'll talk about mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. So we also watched the 90s version of Hamlet. With my main man, Mel Gibson, the fallen son. He's been away from the podcast for a while. Or the show. Since high I and low, actually, I think. Since since high and low? Yeah, because that was Ransom, I believe. Oh, for remake. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for movies that are actually connected. Like, I've talked about him a bunch. But, yeah, so this is a nice, uh, a nice return for him. We've been planning this. Or not planning, but I've been looking forward to this for months. It's, it's been on the docket for, like, the whole time this show has been going on. <laughs> I think about a year ago, yeah. I was about to watch Hamlet, and you're like, why don't you just save that until we have to do the first Hamlet in the Criterion Collection? Yeah, because you were going to watch it like when we watched Henry, and I was like, why? I guess wait a few more months. And- well, I didn't know that Hamlet was part of the Criterion Collection, so I was like, maybe I'll watch the Mel Gibson version to throw in there. So yeah. anyways, yeah. There was a version made with Mr. Mel Gibson and had Glenn Close, and it had Ian Holm, Bill Bobagans, and it had Pete Postlewit or Pistol Post- Wit. Oh yeah, Post. Yeah. The guy from James and the Giant Peach. Mm-hmm. That dude. Usual who, suspects. Yeah, Usual Suspects. Them. I don't like that movie that much. Pete Postlewit. No. Yeah. I like James and the Giant Peach more. That's what I'm gonna go with. Okay. Uh, so it's got him in there too, and uh, we got Mr. Mel Gibson as a hot young thing with the maple dip hair. That's what we call it in Canada. <laughs> I believe you called it the maple blondie, but in yep. the in the biz we call it that the maple dip. Yep. Uh, I've never seen him with like <laughs> no. blonde hair before. It's very upsetting. It was quite striking, and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. I took a lot of pictures. Because well, how would you know that someone's Danish if they don't have blonde hair? Ex- well, that's what I was wondering. I was like, "Does Hamlet have to be blonde, or is this like a Denmark thing, or is this just a weird thing that they decided to do?" I don't know. I never figured it out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you see him with some blonde hair. He goes full on. He has some soliloquies. He has Shakespeare's. He Shakespeare's in them monologues. The best is uh, after he sees his witch king dad, who's not really a spooky ghost at all. He's He's just just like He's just a guy that's like powdered white. Which I'll I'll give the the Laurence Olivier version. That witch king ghost dad is the coolest because oh, he's all oh, misty and he's just like Ooh. it's slow down voice oh yeah it's, yeah awesome like it's like i said when i was talking about like, like that audio design and like everything about it, it's like yeah that stuff was played better because it was going for like that that again that expressionistic sort of route so you could kind of spook it yep. up really nicely whereas this it's just kind of like oh hey there's a dead guy which is like fine it's like an interpretation but it's not memorable yeah yeah it's fine like it's there yeah you know it's there so but yeah uh so we got my main man here mel he's doing his best he really lays it down uh and i think for the first half he's really brought down by this shakespeare shit 
because it's not him, you know. Yeah, he. But then later on, he does have he does get to play a little bit with what Mel, what made him famous, like his kind of like his little quirks and stuff like that. Manicness. Yeah, his like manicness. Like there's a scene where he like confronts like his like band of people and he's fucking losing it, Mm -hmm. and you're just like, yeah, you're like, that's the Mel Gibson I like. Yeah. Or uh, when he's like, um, he's playing around like, uh, what's his face or. Not Ian. Yeah, Ian Holm. Yeah. Comes in to uh, see what he's reading, and he's got, like, no shoes on, and his book's, like, upside down. Yeah. And he's like, what are you reading? And he's like, words. And he's, like, playing around, and, like, that's super Mel Gibson-y. And uh, there's this sword fight at the end where he, like, pretends, like, he falls and trips a bunch, but then he looks up at Glenn Close, and he winks. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's such a Mel thing to do. <laughs> so uh, that's cool, too. So it's a little out of type, but... Um, in the first half, I feel like it kind of brings him down. But in the second yeah. half, he he kind of gets to play a little bit more. Yeah. Like he, well, see, that's the thing. It's like so. Uh, Mad Mel, uh, when he's playing, gets to play like a a character who's like pretending to lose their mind. He's perfect. Like that's yep. like his, that's his thing. It's like he's always like you know, uh, in Lethal Weapon or whatever the fuck. It's like he he plays crazy and he's unpredictable. That's that's Mel Gibson's sort of uh, mm-hmm. realm. So. Once that kicks in, uh, he's like in his element Um, because like I feel like you actually are more along the lines of like he's going he's playing crazy to like sell people that he's going crazy. But, you know, I never really got that sense in the Olivier version that Olivier was like playing crazy. It was so Mm -hmm. subdued that like I never got the sense that like other than being told he's acting weird. What's going on with him? Is he depressed? Um, Like Mm -hmm. you don't you don't get the sense of that. You don't get into the that performance as well it's kind of a i don't know it's so mannered but i mean mel's like such a method actor type of dude that fuck yeah 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 he's the coolest uh i think he is a fun guy yeah i think this version of hamlet is okay it uh like it's all right it it held my attention and it yeah does some stuff there's some funny scenes like there's a scene where a guy goes like where mel's like so uncle and then it cuts to an old guy just eating chicken I thought that was cool. <laughs> At one hour, nine minutes and 30 seconds, there is an extreme face push. Uh, and I thought that was funny, too. So mm. uh, funny enough to make a note of it. Okay. Yep. Uh, this movie is like ridiculously 90s in oh, like yeah. period piece. Like this movie, like mm-hmm. uh, if you were to describe like what do 1990 period pieces look and feel like, this movie is on that list. Yeah. Um so this movie, like somehow, it feels like it fits more in to the story because it has like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern stuff into it. Uh, it's got it's a shorter mm-hmm. runtime, which is one of the criticisms that's like against the Olivier one is that like he he trims out so much, but it seems like he misses out on a lot of stuff. And he he would argue that it made for a I guess leaner play, which is bizarre because uh, this yeah. seems like it has a lot more in it, but runs shorter. Um, mm-hmm. I guess like this comes back to this idea of like making updating stories or making stories play to to audiences over time. So like in mm-hmm. 1948 that I'm sure Laurence Olivier Hamlet played to the audience it played to. Uh, and for 1990, I guess this was like an updating of uh, the story for that audience. But it's like, I don't know. It's fine as well. And yeah. like now it's been years since I've seen it. It's, it was high school 
grade 12 high school um, mm-hmm. since I've seen it. But I have seen the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet, and I remember that movie like being pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. not like it's not like my all-time favorite movie. Uh, probably like I mean, my favorite Han- uh, Shakespeare adaptation, hands down, is Roman Polanski's Macbeth. I think that movie is all like, right. That movie is like so good. I love it because mm-hmm. um, it's like it feels like the filthy, shitty like like 1600s 1500s whatever the hell medieval ages mm-hmm. it's nasty the 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 sword the sword fights in that are like amazing uh it's got a great feel mm-hmm. to it uh despite uh i believe if you brought up animal violence <laughs> in it somewhere yeah because they like. they really kill like three dogs and a bear in that movie because they just let them fight and that's pretty upsetting that's uh, pretty it's pretty messed up. It's been a while since I've uh, seen uh-huh. that movie. I don't. I, I, that sounds right, though. Um, yeah. But yeah, like that's like like to me like I, I've always been a Macbeth fan because Macbeth's also like the nastiest like mm-hmm. of, of the like tragedies. Because um, mm-hmm. I also like it's been a long time since I watched Titus, the Julie Taymor one. Um, <laughs> but I remember that being like quite a nice looking movie and like and, and it's also like it's kind of like the pre Macbeth story. It's like very similar yeah. sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. Like I would like I was thinking about watching the Brana Hamlet again, but it's like it's four hours long. Like it is Jesus. Like it, it, it is the full play. It's everything. But uh, so I'm like I can't find the time to do that because I still have to watch Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, which I still see is like super well regarded. Um, hmm. But maybe one of these days when I actually have that like urge to like really actually sit down and watch like another Shakespeare movie, mm-hmm. I will definitely get both of those out of the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like so 90s 90 Hamlet. Um, I don't know. It, <laughs> It's okay. Again, like it's, it's like it's I, fine. I'd say it's like on the same level of enjoyment. I guess neither movie I'd watch again. I wouldn't recommend mm-hmm. people watch them either. I think like it, most people would probably seem to be like the the Brana version is really the the way to go. The way um, to go. if you want to watch like a film version of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Like I, I think I wrote Ian Holm is good in this. What a shock! Yeah, he is good. There's a funny scene where. Uh, He's watching the play, the reenactment, and he j- he's just like falling asleep. And you're just like, good stuff, Ian Holm. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I think the sword fight in uh, the Olivier version is still better, though, too. Yeah, I agree. Yep. The sword, sword fight in uh, Criterion Hamlet is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's it's like quite it's exciting raw. and well done. And like, it's not like editing around two guys that mm-hmm. don't know how to, ha- how to handle a sword. Like, Mel does not know. And it's like a mm-hmm. big clunky sword, too. It's not like a. Like a, mm-hmm. like a fencing kind of uh, dueling sword. It's just like, all right, just go out there and slug it out, which is like <laughs> fine too. And it's probably more realistic. Like maybe that's what they swung back then. It's more maybe well-researched, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, this movie is like kind of just generic. Uh, it's inoffensive, yeah. but yeah. But it's there. No, but hey, RJ. Yo. Who hates Olivier's Hamlet? I can't imagine too many people. It's like, like it's going to be the same thing. That you're going to, you could imagine yeah. what it is. Like, uh, Padula Metio <laughs> says, gave it two stars. Oh God, who the fuck cares? <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Tarok Amir gave it two and a half stars and just wrote, Shakespeare is overrated. Well, I guess. Oh, I don't know. It's like, how, it's like so dumb. Like, that's like the, one of the, like, that's just like talking in terms of like yeah. horrible movies. <laughs> it's like, oh, Christopher yeah. Nolan's overrated. It's like, this, yeah. It's like this guy's been dead for 400 years and people still talk about it. It's like, 
Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Like, Overrated. Yeah, read read something. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Briel gave this movie one and a half stars, and he writes, I'll never give a high rating to films in Shakespearean prose because it's just too confusing and ultimately too boring for me. I enjoyed the acting and the action in 2011's Coriolanus, but I still didn't like it simply because of the dialogue. <laughs> Obviously, Olivier's Hamlet is no exception. There's nothing really all that special about the sets or the acting outside of Olivier. It's my not my least favorite of the Best Picture winners, but it's close. So Damn. it's like, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, if you've never read Hamlet, if you don't, mm-hmm. if you have never read Shakespeare, it probably is pretty tough, even with these movies, to like get into it because you're starting yep. at a it's it's an uphill battle. You have to read it, so it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, are these movies like? great movies um mm-hmm. but like cause, i mean my favorite is Macbeth, and i've read that play like multiple times because i actually mm-hmm. really enjoy reading that story um mm-hmm. so i mean that helps that adds to enjoying it but i don't know maybe i'm just dumb and i need to <laughs> I, I need to read things first and then watch them when it comes to shakespeare no don't do that okay yeah uh i wonder if anyone hates uh mel gibson's hamlet um, there might be someone who does, but I bet they're like, I don't like Mel Gibson anymore. Oh, that they got the, the, the baggage that they bring to it. Yeah. Which is dumb. I mean, at least he wasn't raping all those kids like Kevin Spacey in his, uh, adaptation of Hamlet. Yeah. Oh, you know what I mean? I well, I'm just saying like he did bad stuff, but at least he wasn't raping people. <laughs> okay. Here we go. There's some people who hate, uh, Mel Gibson Hamlet. One half a star, Suzanne Moses. Worst Hamlet ever. Had to watch it for a class on literature and film, and we watched most of the Hamlets ever recorded, so I can speak with some authority. Okay. You had to watch most of the Hamlets ever? I doubt that. Yeah, most of the Hamlets ever. It's like Girlfriend probably watched like two. Uh, her favorite films are Henry V starring... Shut up. Yeah, but from 2012. Uh, Much Ado About Nothing... Stardust oh, and the on. and the Dark Crystal and like all they have is like and on their watch list they have like New Macbeth. Wow! And they wow. gave five stars to Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> okay, well I know where their allegiance is. Yeah, that Marvel business. Uh, Nathan Writings gave it one star. Hamlet is a story of nuance, and that's what makes the story so endlessly fascinating. However, Mel Gibson wouldn't know nuance if it hit him in the face. A contrived no, and dreadful dud. No. Come on. That's not true. This was so dull, another one writes. Also, medieval, costuming, etc. I guess if we go back to Shakespeare's source material. What the fuck is that even? What does that mean? Horrible. Oh yeah, Helen Oh yeah, Bonham Carter's in this. Yeah. At, at her least offensive because now she is just offensive. <laughs> yeah. Well not she's just too Tim Burton for her own good. Yeah. You know? Facts. You know? Facts. She came to our city once, Creepsville. Oh, yeah? Yeah, when they were filming that Lone Ranger, she was here. She's got a picture at a coffee shop downtown. I did not know that. Well, you don't you don't care about I, I, I remember Rollerball. Oh, uh, yeah. My sister saw LL Cool J in a Walmart. Yeah. She got a Polaroid picture of him. Well, and everyone knows my story about that time Robin Williams used the toilet at the comic book store. Yeah. When he was making RV. It was a great day for everyone. Rest in power, Mr. Williams. Yeah. I think that's it, though. Yes. Uh, this movie is fine. Yes, very fine. Not bad. Yep. Very fine. Yep. Uh, 
after the break, I'm going to kill RJ's dad. Come on. You weirdo. <laughs> I'm going to kill daddy. Mm, baby needs a bottle. Because you talk about all that weird stuff all day. This weird, like, sex things that you talk about all the time. <laughs> so much baggage. So much baggage yeah. you bring to this show. Just a playing Shakespeare Round your throne room floor While the jugglers act as danced upon The crown that you once wore Your call to yours cannot be called best friends. So, RJ, uh, <laughs> you gonna watch any Shakespeare movies soon? Fuck no. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I well, well, we got one day we'll be watching Richard III. That'll be. Is, is there a Mel Gibson version? No, there is one with Gandalf, though, and it's set in like a pseudo, like, Neo, like Nazi, contemporary Third, Third Reich. It's Third Reich setting. It's nice, kind of, kind of an odd one. I understand, but never seen. I'm gonna watch Apt Pupil. No, actually, yeah. Oh, because he Gandalf's in that too. Yeah, as a Nazi. Yeah. You can email us at criteriancrew@gmail.com and tell us about Gandalf. Mm-hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube too, as well as Letterboxd. If you want to follow what movies we watch on a week-to-week basis, I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and we just added Google Play because <gasps> I heard that we weren't on there, and I didn't realize you had to add yourself to it. And we just added YouTube. Uh-huh. I just said that. Hey, <laughs> next week, though, RJ. Yeah? Spine 83. Yeah? We're heading to a warmer climate altogether as we're watching The Harder They Come from 1972, directed by Perry Henzel. Mm-hmm. We'll be going to the land of Rastafarians and Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And this is, in fact, the very first film ever made in Jamaica by Jamaicans. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be uh, different. <laughs> it's been that a will be different. It's been a very long time since I've seen this movie. But uh, this movie's got a pretty memorable, sweet, classic soundtrack. Hmm. If it, if it if it this movie doesn't, I'm fucking coming for you, pal. Well, if it doesn't, RJ, it means you're a racist. What? Good night, folks. What? <laughs>